0: For one last final time, we debate should the Jazz have tanked it? Cason Wallace and Anthony Black breakdowns as well. Next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello. How are you? I'm David Locke, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Today's Locked on Jazz, we're going to do it one last final time. The ongoing debate that we've had for like seven, eight months of whether or not the Jazz should have tanked. We now have the end results. Would it have worked? Would it have been worth it? And you can decide, finally. I watched Anthony Black and Kaysen Wallace go head-to-head in a game last night and then watched Anthony Black play Keontae George in a game last night. What do I think of the two of them? One I like, eh, one I don't see it. It may turn out to be something I regret saying. How does Miami and Eric Spolstreet do this? We'll look at that as well. I'm David Locke. As I mentioned, radio voice of the Utah Jazz and Jazz NBA Insider. And this is Locked on Jazz. It's a daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. We are free and available on all podcasting apps, as well as on YouTube. Would love it if you would subscribe, follow, jump aboard. Hit the bell button on YouTube uh, to be a part of it. All right. Uh, Thank you very much. For those of you who tune in every day, we love to call you the everydayers, and I greatly appreciate uh, the loyalty that you've brought to the program. All right. So here's what we know now. We now know that three teams in the NBA draft this last year tanked at a fairly, frankly, horrific level. San Antonio, Detroit, and Houston. And for San Antonio, it worked. They got the first pick, and as Sarah Todd, who was in the back room, reported. They actually got the third pick and the fourth pick. Um, they literally lined up for them. So... What we now know, though, is two things. One is, there's no way you really could have controlled whether you had Detroit, the worst record in the league, Houston, or San Antonio. I don't think, frankly, there's much of any scenario in which the Utah Jazz would have been able to get to that level of tank, right? Like When you look at the NBA standings last year, unless, there's only one scenario where I think the Jazz could have done this. And to Detroit won 17 games. Houston and San Antonio won 22. And really, I mean, Houston, they both went 22 and 60. And just by whatever tiebreaker is the difference between Houston and San Antonio getting Victor Webanyama. If you're Houston, you just have to be, like, wondering. like, So was there a scenario where the Jazz were going to win 20 games last year? Because that's what you would have had to do to get into this group, is to win 20 games. The only one I can come up with is that the Jazz – would have traded Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, and maybe Jordan Clarkson prior to um, the trade deadline, prior to the season starting when they wanted two first-round draft picks out of the Lakers. The Lakers wouldn't give up both first-round draft picks. And the Jazz eventually accept Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and Mike Conley for one with some protections. So had the Jazz just kind of thrown those three guys away to open the season, maybe we could have got to 20. Maybe. Now, does Lowry ever get a chance by playing with no good players to develop? I go back to Danny Ainge's comment about Walker Kessler. He had a really good year because he played with good players. Um, do do either of those things actually happen? Um, and we wouldn't have had a point guard. It could have been really ugly. And maybe we could have gotten to 20. And then in exchange for 20... What we really don't know is whether we would add a one, whether we would add four, or whether we would have had five. Okay, so that's the one scenario where I could have seen us get to to that realm. It would have been and then let me ask you, and you can go put the comments in the YouTube section or you can tweet at me. Uh, Friday's edition will be an Ask L O J edition, so feel free. Um, would that have been worth it? Like, would have you really would have that been worth okay, you've been all right with that. You know, this has been the great debate is whether or not we should have tanked. All right, there, there it is. 20 wins and you would have gotten one, four, or five. Now, the next tier is interesting because the next tier, I do kind of think we had a chance. The next tier is Charlotte at 27 and Portland at 33. And Portland pulls the ripcord, wins like five games the second half of the season for the second time of the year. They really become kind of the laughing stock of the league. They're the model that everybody doesn't want. They're the modern mid-level tank. Like we've gotten somewhat rid of five, six teams all losing as many games as possible to get to victory. We had three. What we haven't gotten rid of is this concept that Portland's sitting at twenty by 26 and 26 on February 3rd and then they closed the year winning 7 of their going 7 and 23 to close the year and fairly colossal even more than that down the stretch after they accidentally won two games then they only win two of their final um two of their final 17 now, frankly, I don't know that we could have mimicked that to that point, but it, it feels like that was our second choice. That We go to the trade deadline. We make some de- we make the deals. We, we trade Mike Conley. We trade Malik Beasley. We trade Jared Vanderbilt. And we basically didn't trade Jordan Clarkson, but he then doesn't play very much again. We could have tried to do that. Now, I don't think we can get to 27 where Charlotte was at any circumstance. But if you actually look at it on where the day Portland was 26 and 26, so were we. We were 26 and 26. Then we were 27 and 27. And then we kind of fell off the map a little bit from that point on after the trades are made. Um, We actually get back to 33 and 35 and 35 and 36 before we kind of fall apart at the end and lose, I think it was, nine of our final 11. But prior to that, we have been basically 500 since the trade deadline. So if we're sitting at the same spot of Portland as at 26 and 26 when we make the same trades, like there's certainly we could have tried to just disrespect the game at the same level Portland was to get to that, that spot where they were, which was fifth, and now they're up at third, and now they have Scoot Henderson coming to them. Like, is, what do you think? In retrospect, would have that been the right call? We, there's, there's a real argument there. Like, if you want to play the tank game, we had gotten a lot of value by February. We knew who Lowry was. Now, whether you have the respective Lowry at the end of that, whether you have Walker and Ochai develop in a less good circumstances, get us money, valuable minutes said it, I think those are highly debatable. But this one was probably in reach. Now, what's a little tricky about this, of whether or not it was in reach or not, is that when you look at it, whether you could really do what Portland did, then you end up with, if you don't end up where Portland did, you end up where Orlando was, okay? And if you end up where Orlando was, then you just end up with a sixth pick because it was chalk up to that point, right? Fourteen through 14 through six went chalk. In other words, went exactly as they were supposed to. So, I don't know that we actually could have done that well enough to get below Portland. Like, Portland didn't kid around. They basically made a laughing stock of the game and went to 33. Orlando and Washington were at 34, 35. Indiana was at 35. There's like, it feels as though we could have slipped in below Orlando, below Washington, below Indiana if we'd wanted to. But that's hard because those are at 34, 35. We finished at 37. You would have really had to pull the ripcord February 6th, which is early. And you would not have probably gotten the value that you got out of a bunch of those, in a bunch of those circumstances um, up to that point. But you tell me in the comment section whether it would have been worth it. This was the ongoing t- debate we've had all year, and here it is. We now have it. We could have, on the opening day of the season, before it all starts, traded Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson to the Lakers, gotten very little for it just for the purpose of tanking, And tried to be in this bottom three, we would have had one, four, or five. Boy, that would have been a long year. We could do it. I mean, we could still get to twenty-six here. As I've said, I think there's a real chance we have a tough year this year. Just in honor, to, in order to develop players, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's real. The second choice was really February second or third. Could have we dropped below? Not Charlotte, but could have we done what Portland did? Could have we gotten to Orlando? And then we're just six, seven, eight, nine. Is that worth it? I'm curious to your comments to this. I'll be checking them later today on YouTube. Get your thoughts on this. What you thought, what could have we, could have and should have the Jazz tank to that point. My general take on this is they probably handled it as well as they could have at this point. There's an argument, and we'll see over years, that they could have slipped under Indiana and Washington into the 34 round without much problem and be drafting six or seven instead of nine. And we'll see whether that matters. But frankly, Lowry, Markin, and Walker, Kessler, Will Hardy were too good. And so was Taylor Horton Tucker on some given nights and some other guys. And that made it a whole heck of a lot of fun. Yesterday on the show, uh, we'll look at Cason Wallace and Anthony Black next on the program. Yesterday on the show, I shared with you that I got my brand new Big Dog's or bird dogs, excuse me. And then I wore them yesterday and they're awesome. And one of the things I didn't mention in, so I'm kind of actually giving them a free extra ad read today because now that I I got them, they look great. I tried them on and then yesterday I wore them and I love them. And one of the things I really loved, I wanted to point out, as I said, it looks like I can wear them for golf. They have a fake fly and that sounds stupid, but it makes it look like it's a, can be like a nice pair of shorts or an athletic pair of shorts whichever you want it to be and that versatility to me was pretty cool um they're the right length they're no longer the ones that go all the way over your knees like the other ones and cover up your calves. they've got the inner linings which were great um, so I was super pleased with um what I what I experienced yesterday and wanted to share that with you so uh, go to birddogs.com locked NBA when you enter the promo code locked on NBA they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dog's Yeti style tumbler with every order. Super nice. Um, you'll probably see it one of these days when I'm drinking something. Uh anyway, I just really, this is kind of a this is not on our ad schedule. I put up the little thing um on our YouTube, but I just wanted to share that yesterday I mentioned them. They sent us each a pair. Um, and I'm just super pleased. I'm like really excited. I actually have been searching for shorts. Um, I'm a little skinnier than I used to be. Yay. Um, the old shorts all go down over my knee and my daughter makes fun of me. So I've been like looking for new shorts and They sent me two pairs and they fit great and I'm super excited. So there, that was just, that's me just sharing um, the truth of what's going on. What is an advertisement that's supposed to run right now is about eBay Motors. And eBay Motors is uh, really done a a wonderful job of how you take online car shopping or part shopping and make it viable. And they've done it with their My Garage aspect. So you go to eBay Motors and... When you're there, you get the eBay guaranteed fit because you go in, you add your ride to the My Garage, you get the green check mark to know the parts will fit, or you get your money back. So just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. And when you shop at eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from, you're back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions do apply. It's eBay Motors, the right parts, the right fit, the right prices, all at eBay Motors. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Friday's show will be an Ask LOJ edition, so please send me in your questions on Twitter with the hashtag AskLOJ. Uh, want to have you aboard. All right, this was super interesting. This gets me, I got to be honest, these kind of shows right here, this is what you want. Uh, one of the things we always talk about on lockdown is do the show for the listener, not yourself. These get me super nervous because I'm going to watch two, maybe three games of a college player, and then I'm going to come on this show and I make comments as though I know what I'm talking about. And our scouts have watched them for three years, Two junior and senior in high school, and then all the games they played this year. And I'm going to, I don't really like to go back and just watch someone's pick and rolls or someone's this or someone that. And I'm probably going to have to do that here pretty soon on some of these guys. But I watched Casey Wallace against Anthony Black. And I just got to tell you, like, I see it on Casey Wallace. I really like him. And I don't see it on Anthony Black. And it's interesting, because people who I really respect and like and think a lot of do see it on Anthony Black. So I'm, like, wondering what I haven't seen. So the first thing that jumped out at me in the game, and I talked to Leaf Tuline about this last night. He said not to worry about it. But I just thought it was super interesting that Kentucky had Kayson Wallace guard Anthony Black, and Anthony Black, who's supposed to be the best defender, like one of those great, great defenders, is not defending Kayson Wallace. Okay. Like I'm a big believer that coaches tell us an awful lot about their players. Huge believer in this. I have an entire theory of what I would do if I ever got, I, I, one of my dreams in life that I'll never get to do would be to restructure an NBA front office. I just think they're all structured wrong. I think we're backwards. We took an office that had three people and we've expanded to 23 without changing. And one of the things I think super important is I think coaches tell you a tremendous amount about their players. Um, so I think that's really interesting that Casey Wallace guarded Anthony Black, but Anthony Black didn't guard Casey Wallace. And we know that Casey Wallace was the key to everything that was going on with Kentucky. Anthony Black can't shoot. It's really like Anthony Black finished the year 6 of 33 from 3 and 15 of his last 66 from 3. Like you better be able to 100% know that he's going to be able to shoot because if he shoots like that, he can't play. We've watched in the playoffs right now. You cannot be a combo guard in the league and shoot 15 to 66 and three. He's a 76% free throw shooter. What's crazy is he can't miss a free throw for the second half of the season and he can't make a three at the exact same time. So in the game, two games I watched, two games, that's it, on Anthony Black, I just didn't see it ever, anything. The best sequence was he had back-to-back steals, maybe three steals and five possessions coming off the ball against Kentucky, took it the other way and dunked. Great. College spacing so bad. I just don't think you're doing that that often in the NBA. and certainly not something I'm drafting you for. He missed his first two threes of the game against Kentucky, and then I thought it had an impact. Then Eric Musselman just has him going to the corner. He's just like a huge amount of the offense. He's just standing in the corner. Coaches tell you something. There are other guys running their offense. Nick Smith wasn't playing this game. And then Kentucky coaches tell you something. They don't guard him. Kaysen Wallace now is just not guarding him. I actually began to wonder if Casey Wallace was guarding Anthony Black because Cason Wallace is not as good a defender as we wonder because he didn't actually have to guard him. He just kind of stayed in the middle of the paint. Okay, again, two games. The other one that jumped out to me is, okay, if you can't shoot, then you're driving, you're creating, you're getting downhill, you're doing a ton of stuff. I just didn't see him get downhill a ton. Now, college floor spacing is so bad. So bad. That. It's sometimes hard to tell. And Eric Musselman's favorite play is the Spain pick and roll where you start a guy in the baseline. he comes up and picks the guy who just set the pick is rolling. And it just, the way they run it, it's super crowded. So maybe when he gets into space. Anthony Black will be able to use his size, which is tremendous, and get to the rim a little bit better. The three times I saw him get to the rim, I didn't see like this awesome elevation, which is super interesting because he just, I believe, if I understood correctly from Lockdown NBA Big Board, he did test out as an awesome vertical jump. Um, But I don't see it in open court opportunities with him. Unless there's no one around, him, and then he's up and over. But that, great. I don't. That that's not going to move my meter. So, I, I just don't. I've watched two, maybe actually three now. think about because I watched Kansas, Arkansas too. I haven't seen. There hasn't been a moment for me. I'm a big believer that I want the co- player I'm watching in college to pound off the screen, just bounce off the screen to me. Casein Wallace actually does it. He does it with his speed. He does it with the speed by which he's getting the ball up the floor. He looks like he's playing at a different pace than everyone else. One thing I really love about Kason Wallace is he plays three as an offensive player plays with 360 degrees. Ron Boone talks about this a lot. Uh, I can't think of who it is. There's somebody in the NBA that Ron loves it, where he'll drive the push the fast break and he always leaves it behind for a trailer for a three Kason Wallace does a lot of that. Now in the collegiate game, sometimes you have to wonder, like, is he doing that just because he's lost all other options but it's a good sign. There's a lot of players that play this game that just are looking in front of them and to the right of them and never have thought about dropping it behind. Dropping it behind is a pretty dang good play. Like you penetrate on a pick and roll, another guy pops, you're dropping it behind. You push early in transition, you drop into the trailer. It's really hard to guard. It's a great play. Cason Wallace passes 360 degrees, which I super like. I talked about him before. He's not addicted to the ball. I saw hard left hand drives and right hand drives. I saw both. Coming off single foot on both of them. I saw a level of competitiveness. This is a minor thing, but there was a play where he wasn't involved, where they threw an alley open and a dunk and on the other side. He's like, yes. I like that. He came, he turned the ball over on a lob to the basket, which I didn't think was his fault. He got back and blocked the layup the other side. It's a level of competitiveness I like to see. I love his pacing on the pick and roll. He's got a little back stutter step that lets everyone get set, and then he goes, and it makes him quicker than he actually is. Um, he was guard. He, uh, when he was guarded by black, he was not bothered by him. There were a few plays where he came off pick and roll. He did have a few loose turnovers with the dribble black got a steal on him coming from the weak side. Again, college spacing is so bad that I can't tell whether that's just college that you're going to turn it over. Cause you drive in the middle of the lane. Like there's a play. I think I put it on Twitter last night where Cason walls comes around a pick and roll on a left-hand drive. It's like, Oh, I'm like watching, but like, Oh, I'm going to get to see if he can, turn the corner, lower the shoulder, get with the left hand on his off hand, get all the way to the rim. Like this is a big moment. And then Shubei or whatever his name is, their center, like literally posts up in the middle of his drive. Like what are you doing? Um, I would be really pleased with Casey Wallace. Um, I heard he did not test great on height yesterday. I heard he was at six foot two. Now his shoes at six four, maybe that's not that big a deal. It's not great. I'd like to know his length. Um uh, his game to me was an NBA player game. There were a lot of things I saw in Casey Wallace yesterday when watching it, where I thought to myself, Oh, that that translates. A little pull up MIDI on the pick and roll, driving all the going off, uh rejecting the screen and getting all the way to the rim. Um, his vision translates. Um, I kept writing down whiz space, whiz space, whiz space. So interesting. Like I watch Casey Wallace, Anthony Black. To me, I ha I. W- uh, this will be super interesting for me, just as a someone who likes to evaluate talent watches it on a limited level. Um, you know, I I would guess that Anthony like Casein Wallace has a really good NBA career. I'm not like Anthony Black. When I, in our conversation with Tony Jones, I think he even said this. Like guys that would make you nervous. What I've seen so far on Anthony Black, I get it. Like if someone drafts him nine us, I get it. Size, length. Um, body, 18 years old, former wide receiver, um, good rebounder, which shows a level of tenacity. Um, Like, there's a bunch of aspects to him that, like, if we drafted him, I'd be like, okay, I got it. But I'd be super nervous. Whereas, I hear the line on Cason Wallace that he doesn't have an upside. I'm not sure I buy that. Like, I don't think he's could be, like, upside Drew Holiday. But I do think he could be really good. Like, I'm trying to figure out who I think he is, which everyone's trying to say, well, he could be a 15, 16 point-a-game point guard in the NBA. Like, so that's Jeff Teague when he was in Atlanta. But Jeff Teague actually didn't pass the ball. So I'm super curious um, on these, by the way, just to review the numbers on Oh, my case and walls isolation number is gone for some reason. I'll have to go find that again. Um, or transition percentage. I'll have to go find that. I don't know what happened. Uh, in isolation case and Wallace was in the 56th percentile. Anthony black was in the fifth. I, like, I just, yeah. Like I did not see that. Um, isolation scoring, uh, case walls, 38% Anthony black, 21% at the rim. Cason Wallace shots uh, was in the 77th percentile. Anthony black was in the 55th percentile. So like maybe it's not surprising pick and roll ball handling case and Wallace in the 70th percentile was actually one of the better guys. Anthony black is in the 65th percentile. Both of them ran a lot um, spot up shooting Cason Wallace is in the 66th percentile. Anthony black is in the 34th percentile. So we have that red um, as concerning catch and shoot. Anthony uh case and wallace is in the 59th anthony black in the 41st anthony black in the 42nd on unguarded catch and shoot case and wallace only in the 44th so neither are very good they're both basically the exact same 16 to 45 uh shooting off the bounce case and wallace 74th percentile anthony black 54th percentile anthony black was 17 to 54 case and wallace was 35 of 85 okay Jason Wallace, Anthony Black, I've put a little bit of a flag on the ground. I hate doing that. We'll see if I regret it, if we all laugh at me. I mean, I'm not telling you that I think the Jazz should follow my advice on this. I'm telling you from watching two games of each players, that's what I've seen. Let's not get, let's not overplay this, but that's, that's my thoughts. Uh, Miami, how the heck do they do it? I don't know, but they're not going to do it again, and I'll explain why next on Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day for your second listen. How about Locked On NBA Big Board? Tomorrow we'll do Ask LOJ on a Friday edition of the program, so please hit me with the hashtag Ask LOJ. QSQ, I love it. Love it looking at QSQ right off the first game. Boston's shot quality in game number one was 55%. The average shooters for Boston would have shot 55% in game one. For Miami, the average shooters would have shot 48%. It's a make or miss league. Miami went 16 of 31 from three, shot 52% from three, and beat Boston. If they do that and shoot 52% for four more games, they will win the series because that's insane. But that we're going to hear all sorts of analysis. Eric Spolster's a wizard. Joe Missoula doesn't know what he's doing. Boston's got these problems. Playoff Jimmy is worth discussing. The two-man game between Butler and Adebayo was good, but frankly, they figured out how to bring Marcus Smart over and bother it in a unique way. All these other aspects we're going to hear about. Jason Tatum not getting the ball late. True. The fact is Miami shot the lights out. In an abnormal 64% effective field goal percentage on the day. They shot 40, 16 percentage points better than expected value yesterday. 16% better on expected value. Like that's that's how they won game one. That's how they beat Miami. Now, now, okay, let me like let's like look at it for a second from a little bit of a slightly different perspective it's also how they to their credit it's also how they went and beat Milwaukee in game 1 and really rattled Miami in, in Milwaukee in game 1 and then there was an injury right so um i think you have to you can't like discredit what they just did but i do think that you can say hey like they that was an out that was an unusual experience. It's not, it's not a like a viable model, and it's not gonna happen. Like I Boston still wins the series. There, that's that's what I'm telling you. Um, NBA rumors today. We keep an eye on them all the time. Uh a lot of them have to do with front office stuff right now. The Clippers uh number one front office guy behind Lawrence Frank is uh close to a deal with Toronto, or excuse me, with Washington um to run. Washington, so it'd be interesting to see um, what impact that is. Washington's one of these teams, I just don't think we actually know what they're trying to do. And a new front office guy has got to try to make an impact um, on that team as much as possible. Uh, The biggest news story is that Bob Myers may be out at Golden State. That's been rumored for a long time, by the way. Um, And, like, that... That has been... I can't even tell you how long that's been rumored. Like, there were stories about that, frankly. Bob Myers tied to, like, just about every team imaginable um, back as long ago as when Dennis Lindsay left the Jazz. Um, so I think, you know, this is... Um, there's a little bit of Joe Lacob's son becoming large, more largely involved and some other story... And, they, and some contract issues, and maybe Bob Myers thinks it's time to go. Probably pretty good timing. So... Um, will be interesting to see what happens there um so we'll you know it'll be interesting to see but I, that's a that's a huge story in the transition of the Golden State Warriors Michael Winger by the way is the guy who takes the Wizards job is the rumors I don't know a lot about him so I don't know what impact that has but those are the two biggest stories um of the day kind of out there front office and Washington's super interesting to watch Kyle Kuzma's a free agent Bradley Beals out there like they have some Monty Morris is I actually think a viable point guard for us next year um so that one's probably worth keeping an eye on. all right that is locked on jazz thanks very much for tuning in today hope you enjoyed the show we'll be back with you tomorrow with your show tomorrow on an ask LOJ edition so please get your questions ready tweet them to me with the hashtag ask LOJ thanks very much for tuning into locked on jazz how about a locked on NBA big board as both Richard and Leaf Tulane and the great Raphael Barlow are all at the combine in Chicago reporting live have a good one talk to you soon